0: Last time on Star Trek the Next Generation. This isn't hot Waxana hot tub, right?
1: Oh no, is it? I don't wanna tip my hand at him, but I just really don't want to <laughs> have had an opportunity to veto that and not.
0: Well it's up to you whether or not you wanna take that risk, I guess.
1: Uh, I gotta I gotta do it. I gotta veto.
0: Oh god, really? As Denzel says in Crimson Tide, you're blind and deaf. <laughs> and you want to shoot your missiles right now? I am positive that on honor stallions were born black. <laughs> ben, and I'm stopping you from the veto. No!
1: Adam, this, was, need, a, this was a good need, war. The Denzel side is
0: always the right side. Oh! See, what I've done is I've, I've taken... You've handed me your fucking whistle, and I've put it on around my neck. I'm the captain now. <laughs> You know oh. what's funny is that's is it's not even going to be the episode I bet. And now the conclusion.
1: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Welcome to the greatest generation. A Star Trek. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Oh, give me a second. What happened? I, uh, I, I, you know how, like, once a year you do a fart and it's like a homeless guy came into your house and farted? <laughs> that is disgusting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Benjamin R. Harrison.
0: I am one of your other hosts, Adam Franica. I hope we keep (laughs) that opening, Ben. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Unedit that opening.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. What did you do? Um, What did you uh, eat? I made some carnitas a couple days ago, and it's, it's like one of those... One of those dishes where you make a whole lot of it, and then you kind of work it into lunches and and leftovers, dinners. Yeah. through Throughout the the next seven or so days. But, yeah. You uh, mix them it, into your eggs. It's me, and I, meaning I have a lot of rice and beans in my diet at the moment.
0: Ooh, well, lucky you, lucky wife. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's a. You know what they say uh, when you get married, Ben, it's a gassy wife, happy life, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, gas-head wife. (laughs) (laughs) One of the many things that frustrates my wife about her lifestyle. Adam, Uh would you like to open some Star Trek cards with me? I've been just thinking about the fact that I have two out of my three signed cards, and it's burning me up inside.
0: Yeah, I can do that, but I should tell you uh, I'm recording from the podcast equivalent of the Battle Bridge. Mm, Studio am, uh, B. Yeah, I'm in Studio B right now, so I don't have my cards on me. You might have to solo this one.
1: Okay, solo mission. The game is five cards. Done. The game is exceedingly simple. What of this is just cards. Data?
0: Time to pluck a pigeon.
1: What happened? You separated the saucer section. I
0: did. Um, the. Uh, the studio basement that I typically record out of is, uh, has had some remodeling done.
1: Mm. and some, uh, some sound compromising remodels. Yeah, it's weird, right?
0: When you remove the carpet and replace with wood, your audio fidelity goes to shit. It sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like anybody canyon down there. And until we get that fixed, I'm going to be recording in the battle bridge.
1: Mm, you're going to have to get some baffles. I know. Well, I have a couple of cards here. I've got uh, The Bonding, which is a Wharf candle episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Worf's Birth... Elton
0: John episode.
1: Yeah. yeah. The the uh, the picture is not un Elton John like. Um, it's a silhouette of Wharf with a candle in the foreground. I've got Birthright Part 2, which is also a Wharf episode. Uh, I've got Redemption Part Two. A lot of Part Twos in this pack, huh? Oh, I've got Pen Pals Part that episode Two, where Data was having a uh, Chris Hansen relationship online. That was a fun one. And uh, Unification Part One. Oh, broke the streak. <laughs> what a weird pack of cards. Yeah, that is a weird one.
0: The Nikki Cox episode. Yeah, was Pen Pals.
1: Weird. Oh yeah, that was Nikki Cox. Yeah, with the crazy long. Um, with the the, the cra- glitter fro. Glitter fro and the crazy long pinky finger, right? Right.
0: Yeah, she had she had coke, pinky finger, and <laughs> glitter fro. Yeah, not a great look. Now, No, but uh, data
1: was down. Well, that that gets me down to. I think I have. I think I have four. Yeah, I have four packs left. And one guaranteed autograph in there, right? One guaranteed autograph. See, this is starting to make me wonder if this, like, fake autograph card that's, like, signed by Juan Ortiz in embossed gold is going to be passed off as one of the autograph cards.
0: That can't
1: count. I don't think it should.
0: Look, I think I really like Juan Ortiz. He's the greatest. Uh, (laughs) He's one of our preeminent uh, Star Trek artists. Yeah. But I don't think that's the same weight as a real autograph from a no. Sterling Mason Jr.
1: That's no Joanna Miles. No. Of
0: course not. Um, and don't Adam, try to
1: pass it off like it is. Adam, I want to propose something kind of radical here. What if I just open the rest of these right now? I think you should do it. I think you should... Uh, I think that's one of
0: the seven deadly sins from the movie Seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they find that guy uh, like in bed... Surrounded by a, a pile of Star Trek cards and wrappers.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, they think he's dead, and then they put their ear to him, and yeah. And then there's that other guy that they made uh, have sex with a prostitute with Star Trek cards.
0: Right. Yeah. That's I don't know really which upsetting. one of those sins is you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll let the cards decide.
1: Let's see. I've got Man of the People. I don't. Some of these are n- new on me. We've got the host. Which is, (laughs) I think that's the uh, Bodice Ripper episode with... Oh no, this is the one with Odan and the uh, Ankylosaur in the belly. Yeah. I've got Tapestry. Got First Contact, one of my favorites. With uh, What's-Her-Face as the loafed-out nurse that helps Riker escape through sex.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, the only way out is in. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and i've got rascals oh this is a fun one do you remember this episode adam
0: rascals is not a fun one as one of our twitter viewers mentioned to me earlier in the week i hate children i guess <laughs> i hate them all
1: not really oh, fair <laughs> <laughs> i've uh, i've i've hung out with you enough adam to know that that's not true
0: I have a problematic relationship with child actors on this show, specifically.
1: Yeah, that's fine. All right, I've got... We're into another. pack two now. I've got masks, got evolution. Oh, here's an interesting... I've got a silver embossed card that says Ships of the Line, and it shows the Enterprise flying between those, uh, those crazy... Tentacle aliens from episode one. Oh, you remember the uh, remember those guys turned a bunch of tentacle aliens into a star base or whatever.
0: Yeah Yeah, now, on the fun. back
1: of this card is a Kind of random looking uh, Cutout of like a planet and a tiny bit of maybe like the deflector dish of the ship, and it makes me think that maybe this is meant to be one of many cards that you assemble to make a big picture. Oh, but uh, a well, little unclear because I think this is the first one of its kind that I've seen a little puzzle piece, yeah, a little puzzle piece. Uh, lastly, I've got a matter of time which uh, we just watched, mm-hmm. and I've got shisms. <laughs> <Shishums>. <laughs> And,
0: uh, ben, that's the episode that I like the least because it uh, <laughs> it underscores my my
1: shibboleth.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like the word lisp, very cruel to people who have it. <laughs> okay, two more cards, and then and then we're out of this terrible, terrible bit. It makes me think of my
0: childhood where I wore a retainer. (laughs) All the other children made fun of me. (laughs) And so I killed them. Every... (laughs) Every student at my school everywhere.
1: (laughs) Going to a Dowd (laughs) Elementary School sounds pretty rough, Kevin. (laughs) Oh man, yeah.
0: They're giving you a lot worse than a wedgie at Dowd Junior High. (laughs)
1: Well, you can tell by the fact that the music has changed That I'm back to opening cards (laughs) The next five are Survivors Final Mission Lonely Among Us The Perfect Mate Oh, that's the one with uh, Famke Jensen Mm. Mm. And Haven There's not a signature card yet, Adam I'm getting worried I only have one pack left this has got to be it, right? All right. Well, there's, there's quite a bit feeling, of suspense involved here. Are you feeling full yet? <laughs> uh, I'm, it's a rush. I'll admit that. It's like it's like lining up shots and doing them, you know?
0: Keep eating, big man.
1: All right. Last pack. I've got the battle. I've got, in theory, ugh, Got a signature card here, Adam Yes (laughs) This is uh, Deirdre L. Immershine (laughs) Who Of course, you will remember As Joval from the episode Captain's Holiday I think she's the one that Got irritated that he was displaying The Horagon without Wanting to to bone down What? Alright, I'm looking up the card this is oh. a nice-looking lady. Oh yeah, a real, a real quaff that uh, that really places her in an era hair-wise.
0: She's real pretty, and I do remember her just being upset and sort of confused that Picard had displayed the Horgon
1: mm. without
0: yeah. really uh, understanding the consequences of such a display. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of Horgon. Adam, I don't know if I had this card before, but also in this pack is the card for Captain's Holiday, and it is a picture of the Horgon.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's appropriate that they would be together, Deirdre and the Horgon.
1: Yeah. Um, And then my last one is Timescape, which is... uh,
0: That's the Jean-Claude Van Damme episode.
1: It's a pretty groovy picture of a smiley face cloud. Fun. Remember that where they like go aboard the Enterprise and it's like frozen in time and yeah. Picard draws a smiley face in a cloud?
0: That was a nice moment.
1: Oh, Adam, I am spent. You too tired to do some pod? No way. Never.
0: Like working after a giant meal. <laughs> You're going to somehow get through.
1: The only way I can do it, Adam, is with the help of some podcast fluid. Oh, yeah. Podcast fluid is best consumed out of the official Greatest Gen Drunk Shimoda's Bar and Grill pint glass, now available at MaxFunStores.com.
0: That's right. If uh, if you have an extra thirty dollars lying around and you'd like to buy <laughs> one pint glass, <laughs> you'll love our Drunk Shimoda's pint glass.
1: It's a collectible. This is a this is not going to be out forever.
0: I know. I was just making uh, light of one of the comments about <laughs> about what I believe to be our greatest merch item yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's fair.
0: I'm super pumped about it. I ordered one, Ben.
1: I actually uh, yeah. bought our own merch. I haven't yet, but I plan on on it.
0: I was anticipating a sellout, so I wanted to get in early, get that first yeah, yeah. edition.
1: Get in, yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to get a. A second edition? That would look terrible.
0: You don't want to get the new edition. <laughs> <laughs> ben, we've we've gone on quite a run of lengthy Marin opens. Yeah. And hour-long plus episodes. Why don't you say we we uh, tighten this up a little bit and get into it? It's uh, coming up right here is season five, episode ten. New ground. <laughs>
1: Adam, I owe you an apology. Oh no! Were you not recording? I'm recording. I'm I'm saying this this is an episode that I attempted to veto out of fear that <laughs> this was the episode in which Lauxana Troy takes Worf's son Alexander to the to the mud baths. And what I should have realized is that Troy episodes always have a terrible pun in the name. Yeah. And I. I, uh, I I feel like a fool. I knew that. You wasted a veto. That's what yeah. you did. Boy. <sighs> I mean, I don't feel like it was entirely a waste, but I acted irrationally, and I just want to cop to that.
0: I would say half of our viewership is going to be happy about this circumstance, and the other half is going to be profoundly angry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well... We get accused of a lot of shenanigans with the, with the vetoes. Sick of being accused of shenanigans.
0: Yeah. I'll cop to shenanigans
1: where, where that's the truth.
0: So far, no shenanigans.
1: I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. This was just me legitimately being kind of an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty legit. The episode starts with Jordy just pumped. He is so fucking excited. (laughs) Data! Data, isn't this exciting? We are going to witness a moment in history. Every nanosecond in this continuum is a moment in history once it has elapsed. They are working with some aliens on a new type of warp propulsion called celaton waves, which Geordi likens to breaking the sound barrier or the warp barrier. And he's like, he's like prancing around engineering, just like he is a kid that knows he's about to go to the candy store and Data and Worf are there helping him out, and they just, like, cannot bring themselves to to feign enthusiasm. <laughs> Which uh, I thought was pretty fun. Um, this is but so that,
0: typical of Geordi to, like, just not really be able to read his audience. Yeah. I think this is in keeping with his character.
1: Yeah, and also in keeping with Data and Worf's character, that they're not going to do anything to help somebody out. You know, they're like... <laughs> yeah, that's if, true. If you're at a dinner party with four people and, like, you're, you're trying to, like, keep the conversation going, but it's just not working out. Like, Data and Worf are two people you don't want at that table, you know? You're going to look at them with some desperation, and they're going to look look away from you, look down at their food, you know? Yeah, they're, like, going to
0: the kitchen for seconds. They're not going to yeah. get
1: you off the hook. Nope. They're going to take a, an important work call that they forgot they had.
0: Yeah, and speaking of important work calls, Worf gets one of these.
1: yeah. And it's his mom. She is, like, headed to the Enterprise unannounced. And this is, like, I was a little surprised that Worf didn't react badly to this. Yeah. Usually he's kind of annoyed by his parents and and acts like they are kind of a burden. But uh, she announces that she and his son, Alexander, are on their way to the Enterprise and... He's like, okay, I'll set up, a, I'll get a stateroom ready for you. You know, like, he's, uh, he's, he is not acting put upon, which is a, a big shift. I feel, like, I feel like Worf has grown a lot since last his parents visited. It
0: seems extremely risky for Worf's parents to do this. Because as we know from the <laughs> show Bible, like, the number one thing that happens on this show is the Enterprise going on a mission and getting diverted to a different mission. So if this cargo <laughs> yes. ship thinks it's going to meet the Enterprise, like there's a ninety percent chance that it's not going to be there.
1: Yeah, and uh, and yet she she makes it aboard. Like I feel like the next scene is her and Alexander beaming on board, and it is fairly quickly that she explains to Worf that she's here essentially to drop Alexander off. How long can you stay?
0: I'm not going back. Does Alexander look different to you this time around?
1: He, well, it's the same actor, so I, maybe he's just like grown. I a don't
0: bit. remember his hair looking so much like the triangle haircut lady from the Dilbert cartoons. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's. I mean, Worf has a bob. Alexander has a bob, mm. but Alexander's bob is very severe. It is. Uh, it's yeah. really triangular.
1: It's triangular in a way that only a men's right ad- advocate like, <laughs> like Scott Adams could could inflict upon a female character.
0: God, you know, at that age, you just get a lot of bad haircuts. I know. I I know. Yeah. I had many terrible haircuts at that age. But I mean, it, in a perfect future, it looks like that's still a thing.
1: I wonder about bad haircuts on little kids, though, because like, I look at my my, like, childhood yearbooks and and pictures of me as a kid, and I'm like, why did my parents allow this? <laughs> this is terrible. Like, they were the ones taking me to the Supercuts. Yeah. They were paying for yeah. it. Why was a bowl cut ever on the menu? God, it's so
0: true. Like, what a waste of money all of those Supercuts haircuts were.
1: I have, I have talked extensively about... <laughs> The embarrassing West Hot American Summer incident in my yeah. past. And that that was a that was an embarrassing incident of my own making. I look back at my hair in the eighties and nineties and I'm exquisitely embarrassed. And it wasn't my fault. I think there is a
0: adolescent and pre adolescent haircut industrial complex at work here. I think yeah. parents are complicit in this. Mm. I think it's wrong
1: yeah it's I think that that haircut choices should be taken out of the hands of people who think that their children are cute.
0: if you don't think that the stakes are high in junior high school for for looking <laughs> dumb, think again, yeah, everything is on the line with that haircut,
1: yeah. I mean, that's like three solid years of being either a laughing stock or not,
0: yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, Alexander, uh, based on haircut alone, odds are not going to be the cool kid in his classroom. I mean, no, I'm just yeah. gonna I'm gonna put my chips on that on that bet.
1: Yeah. And and you you have to imagine that the kids of the 24th century are uh, advanced enough not to make fun of somebody for loaf. Right. But hair hair haircut is going to be fair game. Yeah. Even in the future. Yeah. yeah. The fun and games get started pretty quickly and the soliton thing that we talked about earlier is quickly revealed to be the b slash c storyline and wharf having to adjust to life with his kid on board is the a storyline so there's a lot of Worf dropping the kid off at school revealing he doesn't know alexander's birthday by heart when the teacher is like asking for personal information really kind of paints Worf as kind of a deadbeat, absentee father.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it
1: really Which does. Not it's re- not a good look. It's not really how it was set up, you know? Like, like, he made a rational choice to send Alexander to live with his parents when Kalar bought the farm because, you know, it's a starship, and while there are hundreds of children <laughs> aboard, it's a pretty dangerous place, and he's not... You know, he doesn't have the ability to provide a a fully functioning household. You know, he's a bachelor, and uh, and so he he sends the kid off to live with his folks, who are you know seasoned adoptive parents, but they're like getting too old for it. They're they're kind of it's like his mom kind of drops that Danny Glover line on him. <laughs> And so he's got to accept Alexander, but then all of this stuff that happens surrounding Alexander moving to the enterprise reveals that Worf has not even been a good father in in absentia. you know he hasn't he hasn't kept in touch.
0: Yeah, and it really serves to confirm Alexander's suspicions from Jump and throughout the episode that like he feels like no one gives a shit about him.
1: Yeah, and he's not wrong. No. Yeah, th- I would say that the main arc of this episode is about Worf finding uh, finding a way to give a shit about his child, which is a really dark subject matter, and a it's a fairly light episode <laughs> despite that. The show has done so much to build up, you
0: know, the goodwill for its main characters. It's sort of hard to see. Worf portrayed this way like there is no there's no middle about it like he's a bad dad
1: yeah and I think that there is some like some covert racism in that Hmm. I think that in the 80s and 90s like men and especially black men being bad fathers was not like a problem on television you know like there's, and it, it's, you know, still a problem in our society. Like, there's less pressure on men to be parents than there is on women. And, and like, Worf definitely didn't plan on having this child, but he also took like zero responsibility for the child when he found out he had it.
0: It's weird that they saddle this character with that conflict instead of, say, Commander Riker, <laughs> who feels more likely to have spawned children throughout the galaxy, you know?
1: Right, and also more likely to have daddy issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, like not wanting to perpetuate fatherhood because it's an institution he's inherently suspicious of. Right. Worf has great parents. It's true. He really does. Yeah, so why is he so shitty at it? It's really, like, I mean, I think that they do a little bit to, like, unpack you know the kind of the kind of identity he had to erect for himself as a stranger in a strange land who had everything taken away from him but uh i don't think it quite adds up right
0: So as we move through the story, it turns out Alexander is every bit the problem child as the titular problem child is from the John Ritter movies of the early 90s. You know, that kid wasn't adopted. I swear he was your real son. He's stealing shit. He's lying about it. Yeah. He's uh, he's a little bit, he's like that type of kid that's a bully, but also is, uh, is a chicken shit. Like... Yeah. Like, he's hitting people and then saying other people started it. He's like that kid. Yeah. It's not good. And this is not the way of the warrior.
1: No, yeah. This, this stuff is, like, viscerally offensive to Worf, yeah. who lives a life that is founded on his personal honor and the honor of his family. So, like, his his first tack at, like, trying to address some of these issues with Alexander is basically telling Alexander, like, if if you do dishonorable shit it reflects badly on me and I can't have that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I've remedied the situation. Like uh like reasoning with a child of this age is just hilarious to watch. <laughs> because yeah. the child is going to do anything he can to just end the conversation. Especially right. especially by just agreeing with whatever's being said. Like oh yeah, I get it.
1: Oh, the, it's all you need to know about torture yeah. because having a having a conversation about how you behave with a child of this age is a form of torture for yeah. that child and and like a victim of torture the child is going to tell you what you want to hear not necessarily the truth. Yeah.
0: I love the story that he tells him about the statue on his coffee table. Yeah. He's got the statue of two brothers on his coffee table and they're like clenched in a in a fight and yeah. warf tells this
1: story it's, it's a very homoerotic statue they fought for 12 days and 12 nights because Moroth had broken his word and brought shame to his family
0: because uh, one of them dishonored their family and the other one wasn't into it like <laughs> and that's and that's the lesson that alexander is supposed to learn and yeah. that's the that's the lesson that alexander says that he has learned just to stop the conversation
1: yeah, Worf has has abstracted the idea of honor far too much for a child of this age, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's not working well. Well, anyways, back to the B slash C storyline. They beam on the scientist who is going to be conducting this big experiment with soliton waves. And um, they have a little McLaughlin group where he kind of explains the experiment to them. This guy's got like Edward James Olmos level (laughs) acne scars. So say we all. He's got
0: mouth loaf. I think this might be the first instance that we've seen (laughs) sort of like a cadaverous mouth loaf because he's also very gray looking.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that he really ignored the advice of his dermatologist in his teen years. I mean, it's unclear whether he's actually an alien or just a guy who did not use his Accutane as prescribed. He's
0: past the point of proactive. Mm.
1: Proactive is ain't got shit on what on what his skin is doing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you try to call up Rodan and Fields, uh, if you're this guy, they're going to hang up on you. <laughs> he almost looks like he's got a box turtle around his mouth.
1: <laughs> like that sort of thing. Yeah. It's really interesting loaf. It's a nice new type of loaf. Yeah. Doesn't feel like a a loaf retread the way some other loaf does.
0: You know, like the hacky joke about, like, you know, balding guys growing facial hair and the hair just sort of migrating down to the face? Like, Mm. this is sort of like his loaf
1: migrated down. (laughs) (laughs) Male pattern loaf. Yeah. (laughs) The, The experiment is this. They've got this new way of creating a warp field where the ship surfs on a wave of soliton particles and they haven't like built it into a reactor yet so what they're going to do is create this wave on the surface of a planet shoot it out and it's going to it's going to pass through a, a test ship that the Enterprise will then follow to another planet that will send out a scattering field to slow it down and the idea is that this is a more efficient way to warp around the galaxy i guess so they get the experiment started and they're like everybody is totally blown away at how great this technology is energy transfer is 98%
0: 98 yeah everyone's super pumped no one regards the sound of the wave as being like a cheap toy store ray gun though <laughs> i really did not like the sound this wave made
1: yeah i mean they're they're distracted man this this wave is getting a lot of horsies to the back wheels and yeah it's, it's
0: true and the ship is riding on it like uh like teen wolf uh on <laughs> top of the
1: van yeah yeah you can hear the like yeah it's fun it's Surf Rock Science, isn't it? Surf Rock Science with Edward James Almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't wait to see that album cover.
0: <laughs> it's one of those album covers like uh what was there was like a Black Crow's album that was like just pubes and they had to like paper over it <laughs> because it was because it was too gross. Like you get Edward James Almost on an album cover, you got to paper over uh, anything <laughs> below the nose, right? <laughs>
1: yeah NSFw yeah This is about when they go on a field trip to the bio lab where they get to look at some some endangered animals that the enterprise is like moving from one planet to another, which um, I feel like every time we encounter an endangered species on this show, Adam, it's a hand puppet. <laughs> yeah,. Lou, 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 Lou. So Alexander is quite taken with this, but uh, he's not he's not allowed to, like luxuriate in watching these animals hang around in their cage for very long because he gets caught stealing models from the biolab.
0: I'm sorry. I forgot to tell everyone that the models on the tables were for everyone to play with. So I guess you didn't know you weren't supposed to take them.
1: This is very upsetting for Worf, and Worf has to like pat him down. Yeah, I it, it kind of evoked a question for me, which is like, who gives a shit? There's replicators. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like is stealing less of a thing if you can just reproduce the
1: thing? I just yeah, like I can't I can't figure out how anybody cares at all. Like those should just be free, and they're tra- like the ship could could just, like, with its computer, keep track of what models are available in the Lab, and when one goes missing, like, have one beamed directly into it automatically without anybody even having to pay attention to it. The act
0: of replication is without honor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that's, the, that's how a coward gets his toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not even that cool of a toy.
1: Yeah, it's like kind of a kind of a crappy <clears throat> lizard toy. Yeah. Not even a dinosaur. Yeah. Was Jay Gordon on this field trip? Oh, I I didn't see him if he was. I feel like there was a little blonde kid that I thought might be Jay Gordon from Disaster.
0: Was the but, uh, hand puppet from the data being put in a museum episode on the table? I thought I recognized it. Was a, it.
1: It. it was a different hand puppet. Yeah. It was it was made to look more like a huge log of human feces
0: oh right yeah yeah that was the intention
1: <laughs> Worf has had a couple conversations with Troy who has sort of declared her intentions not to allow Worf to be a shitty dad <laughs> and uh, and Worf has kind of brushed it off like no like you know the kid was lying but I talked him out of it and uh, and so now like it's pretty clear to Worf that he's got he's got a problem on his hands. And so he's like he keeps talking to Troy about it and it's pretty clear that she's like also not going to let him like learn the ropes of parenting by himself. Like he, can't, he he like she is very dismissive of him when he makes like rookie mistakes, which I feel like is not really the way I would play this if I was Troy.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem that helpful. There's no music box for Worf, either, that she can just yeah. pull out from behind a couch. <laughs> some music yeah, box wolf. playing Klingon opera. A
1: little negative reinforcement. I mean, this is a more interesting episode for Troy than Average, because she's actually like doing some counseling. I don't feel like she's entirely in her pot this time.
0: Yeah, and she brings up some interesting points with him, which is like, you know, Alexander did basically watch his mother get murdered. And then <laughs> and then basically the same day, you sent him off to live with his grandparents. Yeah. So that's a pretty tough day,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, and she, and, and like her the upshot of that is she's saying like you guys both have some some like grieving and some some processing to do and whether you're going to do it in a Klingon way or a human way or some blend of the two, like you might consider the fact that because you're both on the same journey, it would be good for you to both do it together.
0: Yeah. And Worf's like, well, point taken, but I think I'm still going to send him to like a Klingon battle academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really toughen him up. Yeah. Yeah which is the threat that every parent makes to a disbehaving child like it's boarding school for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 going to be out of here, bub. What do you think a Klingon boarding school is like? It's got to be incredible. I'm just picturing like Rushmore with a lot more battle damage. <laughs> he applied to Praxis and
0: Kronos. Uh, Stovacore was a safety.
1: <laughs> Worth having a lot of rubber meets the road, learning while doing kind of interactions around this. Like, it, you know, like he keeps he keeps getting it from the teacher that Alexander is not really conforming to the rules. And I found, like, some of the parent-teacher conferences scenes especially upsetting, Adam. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but that that toy that's in every pediatrician's waiting room yeah. with the, like, wooden beads and the what colored wires was in in that teacher's office. It's a total hospital toy. There is something so soul-crushing about the idea of that still being a toy that is around in the 24th century. Yeah.
0: God. Yeah, it's always just kind of sticky.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can never get that thing truly clean. No. Which is one of the many things that is perplexing about its ubiquity in medical environments
0: <laughs> yeah no doubt I'd get rid of that thing i think that thing yet. is
1: spreading disease that thing should be on the scrap heap of history by the 24th century and yet
0: <sighs> i am the cutest of you will assist us i am the cutest of
1: Well, Adam, the experiment with the Celoton wave uh, started great, but it's getting quickly out of control because the ship, the the test ship that it was pushing has exploded, and now the wave is getting bigger and faster. And um, they're worried it's going to have like a Death Star-like effect on the planet that's supposed to slow it down.
0: Yeah, what do you think of the idea of aiming it at another planet as as the experiment
1: I feel like they could have aimed it a little bit off axis of the other planet and that planet would have been just as capable of dispersing the like the field of uh, interference or whatever why not aim it at a star what's it gonna do to a star I don't know you don't want it to have a, a sting like effect on a star
0: you don't want shore break crashing on your star
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to observe harbor speed when you're <laughs> when you're going past a star because you don't want, you don't want it splashing like that.
0: Oh man, there's something for everyone this episode. <laughs> Boat enthusiasts yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, like, this is becoming not just a crisis for the planet that the wave is headed toward, but the ship because you know the the entrepreneurs. Shields are not doing great, and the only really good option they have for stopping the wave is by getting out ahead of it and shooting it with a bunch of torpedoes. So they put this plan into action, where they're going to speed the ship up, go right through the wave, which uh, which will test their shields by itself, and then they're going to kind of like lay some hot eggs on it <laughs> by shooting some torpedoes out of the, out of the ship's keister as they as they go past this was a great moment in
0: plot explanation because as soon as they come up with this plan in the conference room i'm like why not go around it and as i'm yelling this at the tv they're explaining to me why they can't go around it yeah it was perfect timing they can't go around it because it's grown so big that the time it would take to go around it would would be too late like
1: it has it has grown so big and yet when they show it it doesn't yeah. ever look that much bigger. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, they go through it and they're they're going to lay these eggs but they're like, "Okay, the shields are fucked up enough that this explosion is going to irradiate the belly of the ship and we need to evacuate those sections." And they're starting to evacuate when they realize there's a big fire in one of the bio labs and there's this completely insane sequence of them Discovering that Alexander is in the biolab with the fire. Seal off that compartment. Prepare to vent the air. So there are life forms present in that biolab. We're transporting endangered animals from Korban 2. Readings also indicate the presence of a humanoid cat. Computer, identify humanoid life form in biolab 4. What humanoid could it possibly be? And they ask the computer about that. The computer spits back the answer, which, like, they probably should have had at the first moment of knowing that there was a fire on the ship. And then, apparently, the only two people on this ship of 1,000 people who can go be the fire patrol are Commander Riker and Lieutenant Worf.
0: Yeah. This is the point in the episode where they really ask you to take the leap with them.
1: Yeah. Like, isn't there, like, every deck should have a fucking fire brigade and damage control unit, right? Yeah. There should just be, like, I mean, like, if you've ever worked in a, an office of any size. There's, like, a guy with a fucking Dayglo hat and a vest in his cubicle whose job it is to be, like, fire marshal if there's ever, like, a gas leak in the building or whatever. Of course a ship like this would have that guy, right?
0: <laughs> this It seems like madness, Ben. Now, when you're designing a starship <laughs> built for transporting about to extinct animals, you're not gonna want to install a fire suppression system in that room because foams, fire suppression liquids, and fire retardants can be poisonous to all sorts of animals.
1: Make sure you station your damage control crew as far from that section of the ship as possible in case there's ever a radiation leak due to shooting torpedoes at a soliton wave.
0: There's no better word to say in the Boston
1: accent than (laughs) soliton. You're going to want to construct your endangered animal cage out of white plastic and chicken wire. (laughs) It's
0: insane. So (laughs) what Worf and Riker do is basically they recreate the pet shop fire scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Come on. You can help me. Come on. Panic. No pushing,
1: no yeah, there's a lot of snakes in that room. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like right on down to when they open up the door to the room, the flames just shoot out of it.
1: Yeah, and this is like there there are a bunch of like amazing war feats of strength, like ripping duranium wall platings off and and like lifting the super heavy beam that has, has Alexander pinned to the floor. What like, you get here
0: is a contest of yells. Like, yeah. like, it really made me think, Ben, who's the better yeller? Is it Worf or Riker? Because you get auditions from both in this scene, and they are both amazing.
1: Yeah, they're they like, uh, I feel like they made wagers. <laughs>
0: Alexander! Alexander! Can you hear me?
1: Like, like there was, there was like a, like a bookie on the cruise. Like, who's, gonna, who's gonna do the better yells in this scene? If you're directing Frakes,
0: all you need to do is say, uh, "Give me some real." Slather this one with some anybody. Like, <laughs> like give me the anybody juice on this. And he delivers. Yeah. It's fucking yeah.
1: great. Yeah, he's uh He's getting ready for his his role in Star Trek Generations. I feel like. Yeah. Well. They, uh, by the seat of their pants, get Alexander out of there. And Enterprise dissipates the wave. And they even save the endangered species. The, The button on the episode is Worf talking to Alexander about, you know, his decision to send him away to military school. And... Alexander expressing his continued displeasure with that and then Worf saying like the real challenge would be staying here with me, a terrible father. Are you up for that challenge?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like such a veiled threat. It's amazing. Like, Like he's basically admitting that his adolescence is going to be an atrocity. Yeah. There's no way you grow up normal with me. You want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's how you know how bad Klingon boarding school is when he chooses wharf. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben? Uh, I
1: don't think I did, Adam. I think I You think didn't I did like the like like episode
0: it. you attempted to veto?
1: Tell me more. <laughs> Well, I I regret attempting to veto it because I think there are probably worse episodes this season, and now now we are defenseless against them, <laughs> but I, I didn't like it for larger reasons than I usually consider in employing my veto. Um, I think it has kind of a racist premise, mm. and I think that it has a lot of problematic depictions of fatherhood and a really like a like a climactic scene that just strains credulity on all counts so you know it's it's not a mount armis episode but i don't think it's i don't think it's quite a good episode
0: yeah much like the episodes where we're asked to believe that the senior staff are a bunch of idiots like, the inflection point of this episode is the moment where there's a fire in that room and Riker and Worf are the only ones that can go help. Like, yeah. They are really needed on the bridge at that moment.
1: There are, like, two of the three most important people on the bridge <laughs> at that moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, we need it for quote-unquote drama, but mm-hmm. but is it not more dramatic if Wharf has to depend on a stranger to save his son's life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I
1: don't know, man. We're
0: deprived of the Riker carrying a bunch of snakes out of the pet store scene though. And that's fun. Yeah.
1: That that is Yeah. Anytime Riker and Pee Wee are <laughs> doing something similar, yeah. I feel like there's something just like deeply true about that.
0: <laughs> Riker's a little singed wharfs <laughs> loaf is a little singed
1: yeah that, that there's a little uh little little ash in the loaf <laughs>
0: you just uh slather those parts with some ketchup I think hardly notice mm
1: yeah it's a nice uh a, a nice uh, Maillard reaction <laughs> on that loaf <laughs> yeah uh, Adam I think there may be some priority one messages awaiting us in our in our uh, captain's nest. Do you want to check that out with me?
0: Yeah, you want to you want to hit the answering machine on those. Hit mm. th- hit the button.
1: Let's do it. Priority 1 message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental? Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We have a couple of Priority One Messages here, Adam. Our first is from Eric, and it's for Dan. And here's the message. Happy to share this pod with you, and thanks for being my best friend. You would never leave me behind like some kind of going on (laughs) Jake. Side note, this form of correspondence is costing us a lot of scarves. If only a cheaper alternative existed. P.S. Hey Ben, Will Coxon is a stats reference. Nothing to do with crew. Know your viewers. P.P.S. Hi, Nick and Freda. <laughs> uh, so th- I guess that that references a previous Priority One message. And uh, boy, I uh, I don't know anything about statistics.
0: Boy, that was like a real Russian nesting doll of messages. There's there's the message. There's the big message. And right. then there's the sort of slap to the back of your head on the Wilcoxon mm. reference. And then yeah. there was a shout-out to another P1 submitter. Yeah. Kind of a lot going guess, on there.
1: Yeah, I like that these P1s beget other P1s. That's really it's really nice. Oh, and
0: then there's also the uh, the slap on, on the cost of the P1. I mean, yeah. that's, that's in there, too. So kind of a lot there. I mean,
1: he is right, though. It is the most... Economical way of communicating that either of us would recommend, anyways.
0: Yeah, there's really no other way to do what they're trying to do. No. Uh, we have a second priority one message here, Ben. Okay. Let's see if it's a pile of nesting dolls. It's from Kelly. It's for Alan, and it goes like this: "Happy birthday to the Captain Picard of my heart." I am proud to say this podcast was another thing I was right about. <laughs> I love you more than Troy loves chocolate, and that's a heck of a lot. Dang. I hope you enjoyed this birthday shout-out.
1: Wow, that's a really sweet message.
0: Kelly, you weren't negative about the cost of the message. You did not <laughs> criticize uh, Ben's understanding of some sort of terminology that that obscure math terminology that he didn't understand instead it was about love birthday love for alan
1: and yeah i think that's especially sweet that's great sweet as a bowl of chocolate mousse
0: do you think troy's ever eaten wharf's cake because that that pound cake appeared to be of the chocolate variety
1: yeah well, you know, Troy and Warf wind up wind up uh, hooking up toward the end of the series, so... We don't
0: talk about Her, the future here, Ben.
1: That's true, that's true. I retract that. I retract that glimpse into the future. If
0: chocolate was all it took for Troy to fall for you, she would have hooked up with Wesley, like, in season two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Makes you wonder where Wesley learned that trick.
0: Well, thanks a lot to Kelly, and happy birthday to Alan.
1: Yeah. If you would like to send a birthday message or sell a product or just say something to the larger, greatest gen community. Correct
0: either one of us on on a misuse of a
1: term. I would say that that's the only viable way to correct us, right, by the way. Right. I, I accept no free corrections. <laughs> you can uh, go to maximumfun.org slash Jumbotron where a. Personal message is hundred bucks, and the commercial message is two hundred bucks. Helps us produce this show. Thank you.
0: You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, "What do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias." But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great, because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES. To save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, that's Squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code scarves to get free shipping and thirty percent off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is scarves.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
0: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
1: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op.
0: Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam?
0: Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda?
1: Shimoda. I did. I got a a real laugh out of a line that Troy said in this episode. So she gets my drunk Shimoda for when she tells Worf, "I'm not here to approve or disapprove of how you raise your son," because <laughs> it seems like that's basically the main thing she's there for in this episode. <laughs> it's like is like parenting referee.
0: Yeah. That was pretty backhanded, Troy. <laughs> she is a real manipulator as a counselor. I can't remember a time when her form of counseling wasn't very manipulative.
1: Yeah, she's kind of like as much a mentalist as a as a counselor.
0: Is this what the Scientologists are on about is <laughs> is how
1: fraudulent this is? I don't know. I've had some uh some very positive experiences with mental health professionals in my past, I have to I have to hope that this is more about Troy being written by people that don't know what the fuck they're talking <laughs> about than yeah. Troy actually being bad. Boy, given those two
0: options, I think the likelihood is the former versus the latter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about yourself? Did you have a Shimoda?
0: Yeah, I do, and... Ben, I think one of my favorite Shimodas to ever call a- attention to are the types that happen in the deep background, mm. the obscure Shimoda, and when you combine that with an action scene, those are like my all-time favorites, uh, the, yeah. the action Shimoda. <laughs> in this episode, one of the big bangers gets dropped on the ship, and people go flying. I think this is when they attempt to penetrate the wave, Right.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of bangers in the, at that portion.
0: And it full-on, like, throws people out of seats. Yeah. And in this scene, uh, Riker's at the top of the horseshoe, sort of at, uh, at security. Yeah. When the banger hits, and he hits the ground and rolls sort of down the slope with his legs up. Fun. He falls backwards, and he does that thing where... When you roll backwards and kick your legs up and you almost go all the way over <laughs> and then sort of like roll back and slap your legs down. Fine. He almost goes all the way over. And I'm wondering <laughs> if that was very close to a neck injury for for one
1: John Frakes. Man. It was real funny. I loved it. Did you, s- speaking of Shimoda-like things that Frakes... Has done. Did you see... I think it was on the Facebook. Somebody posted a picture of Frakes with, like, his wife. And it was, like, a pregnancy photo. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's just the greatest. I think he's living his best life. Frakes is an example I feel like we can all live by.
0: There is probably no other place to drop this in. And if I don't, it'll probably never be referenced. But that pound cake scene a couple episodes ago with Worf... Yeah. When they welcome Wesley back onto the ship... Yes. Frakes does some comedy there that I do not completely understand, but just destroys me. He's he's <laughs> totally nonverbal, but but he is making faces at Michael Dorn and making faces to the camera, and he's sort of in soft focus. And when yeah. he passes behind Worf, it looks like he pinches his ass. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's a full. 30 seconds of really great physical comedy there that we didn't call attention to during the episode that I don't know what Frakes is doing on this show besides like entertaining himself. That seems like a real priority for him and I love it.
1: Yeah, well we don't talk about future episodes but uh, we sure do talk about past episodes and that's probably worth revisiting I don't know, once a week? Yeah,
0: (laughs) good idea. (laughs) What do we have coming up on the next episode speaking of the future?
1: Next episode is Season 5, Episode 11, Hero Worship, a.k.a. Slickback Trilogy, Part 3. Yes. A young boy who is the sole survivor of a devastated ship becomes obsessed with simulating data. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
0: I remember every frame of this episode. (laughs) This was maybe the cringiest episode of the series.
1: Yeah, and it, Whew, it's like it's the, breathtaking. the most the most slick back of all <laughs> of all of the slick back trilogy episodes, right? It's the slickest back. This is the kid that you put on the box cover of the of the Criterion edition, right? <laughs> it is. It could be no one else. Yeah. Oh it's boy. It's not Jono. I mean, Jono's pretty slicked back, but this kid has slicked the fuck back.
0: Yeah, Jono takes a look at this kid and is like, whoa, dial it back with a <laughs> slick back, okay? <laughs> You're making us <this> look bad. <laughs> hey, we're trying to slick back here. Hey! <laughs> Are you slick back into me? <laughs> there is just a real thick vein of of anti-Italian... Sentiment on maximum fun shows lately. <laughs> I felt like really bad Italian impressions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. Uh, well, we have to watch it, Ben, because yeah. you uh, you flailed around and fired off all of your vetoes. <laughs> you were the yeah. guy in the action movie who got who got hit with gunfire and then shot all of his bullets into the ceiling on his way yeah, down yeah, to the floor. Yeah.
1: I, I peeled off the entire clip in my <laughs> Uzi as I as I lay dying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good job by you. Wow,
1: uh, <laughs> I don't think we could. I don't think we could in good conscience veto a slickback episode, anyways, Adam.
0: Now we're giving the people what they want, which yeah. is the triumphant finale of the slickback trilogy.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's let's watch it. That's our next episode, Adam. I. Really appreciate everybody who's gone to MaxFunStore.com and copped our hit new Drunk Shimoda's Bar and Grill pint glass uh, designed by the great Chris Eliopoulos. Yeah. Uh, which was just a, a real treat, right? Like, this guy is like a, a real heavy hitter illustrator. He does, like, like books that sell like, huge volumes, and uh, he, he, like, threw this together on Twitter and was like, hey, if you want this, it's yours. You would think that real talented people wouldn't want anything to do with us. <laughs> I shot him a DM on Twitter, and I was like, hey, let me, uh, let me send a couple of these glasses your way. And he was like, no, I already ordered one. And I was like, oh, well, I wanted to get you one to say thanks. And he's like, the idea is not for me to get free stuff. It's for you guys to have some money to make, uh, to make the show. Man, that guy what knows what's up. What a kind guy. Yeah, that guy's a creator. Big thanks to Chris, and uh, thanks to everybody that grabbed the glass, and thanks to Adam Ragusia. Big thanks to Adam Ragusia as well this week. Speaking of real people who should probably have distanced themselves from us long ago, and yet, uh, Adam Ragusia blessed us with a new piece of music, and helped us big time with our uh, our audio f up on uh, the last couple episodes and uh just did it out of the kindness of his heart that's what you call a mensch
0: we are very fortunate to have such good friends friends of the podcast and uh the goose is definitely definitely one of them
1: definitely yeah, one of our his, main squeezes give uh give his shows a listen he's got the uh, he's of course got the pub on current which is about public media and then he's also got "We Didn't Start the Podcast," which is about Billy Joel. <laughs> is it about Billy Joel? Yeah, it's about Billy Joel. Oh yeah, Billy Joel. Yeah, it's bingeable. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, it's really great. That guy's <laughs> that guy, is, uh, that guy de- delivers. Every everything he does is great.
0: Yeah, I was like, "There's no way it's going to be better than the pub," which is a great show. And yeah. it's great, unsurprisingly.
1: Yeah, fucking cooking with gas over there in uh, Macon, Georgia. We should also thank Dark Materia for our theme song. And with that, we will be back at you next time. With another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and the slickest backest episode of The Greatest Generation.